Freedom Hut. Beware, beware the Biden amnesty. ABC's Ambush Town Hall. A judge in Pennsylvania says lockdown's unconstitutional and stars freeze their Instagram accounts for a day to protest hate speech. This, this is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, everyone, to the Buck Sexton Show. Yes, we are locked and loaded. I do enjoy so much. I do enjoy so much that we are focused in this fight right now. Obviously, the stakes are very high. There's a lot to discuss here. More information today about the mass free vaccination campaign that the Trump administration is rolling out, saying could be in mass distribution as soon as January. I want to start with something else, because I, I, I often tell you, guys, you got to understand the stakes in this election. You're going to hear this or there's certain pundit speak that everyone's going to constantly be using. Right. Oh, it all comes down to turnout. <laughs> Get ready for that one. Well, Bob, um, really important polling today. And what it really means is that at the end, the election will come down to turnout. But why is it that I feel like this election is in particular so important? Uh, what is it about this one that separates it from previous elections? And you could argue that this issue isn't different from 2016. We're just closer and it's more likely to even happen this time around if Democrats take power. And this is the issue that will control all, all others. Right? If you believe in your right to bear arms, if you believe in the Second Amendment, if you believe in the First Amendment, if you believe in individual constitutional freedoms that are not subject to the whims of the mob and the Democrat Party's moods of the moment, then you should be very concerned about this one issue that will overshadow all others. And it's amnesty. It's illegal immigration that then turns into mass legalization that then transitions into citizenship for people who broke the law, came here illegally, and are going to be by at least a three to one, maybe more like an eight or nine to one vote, reliable Democrats. Now, now this let's be very clear about all this. It has nothing to do with a person's country of origin, ethnicity, nationality. Don't care about any of that. I, I wouldn't want five million Swedes showing up illegally and voting in this country once they got an amnesty. I, I wouldn't want this for anyone from Latin America. I wouldn't want this from anyone from Asia, Europe, you name it. We have laws. We're a nation of laws. We're supposed to care about sovereignty and the rule of law, which, as we know, the Democrats don't really. We see this with the police situation and how they're undermining cops they are undermining the front line of our law enforcement efforts because it benefits them right now. Because a country that is frightened and suffering is more likely to vote for change. A country that thinks that people aren't able to freely walk down the street without being concerned for their physical safety or that they have to worry whether their business will be burned down to the ground. That's a country that just wants something else. And then there's also the resentment and the anger that has been building up in Democrat controlled enclaves in major cities, including a lot of majority 
majority minority areas of large urban uh, large urban districts where the Democrats are pandering. Right. Instead of saying, you know what, maybe some of the Democrat policies have failed these communities as they have. They're saying it's not anything that we've done. It's their fault. It's the Republicans. Now, this is an argument that you would think should fall on deaf ears based on reason, history, facts, data, logic. But all that gets pushed aside. All that gets pushed aside because of the emotions, because of the narrative, the propaganda. And if we get amnesty because of the votes, it's going to be all over, friends. Understand this as as Joe Biden continues to say buffoonish things across the country. There's one thing that he is very clear on. The Democrat Party has slowly but now openly become a de facto open borders party. Uh, Now, I understand the argument. This would be buck, but we have all these border controls and Trump has been building a wall and, and there's a bipartisan consensus about securing the border. The bipartisan consensus about border security is a fraud. It's a fiction. It's not real. Democrats don't want border security. They just want to make sure they're counting all of their soon to be made voters as they cross into the country. Who do they not want to allow in? If you don't think that things are going well in Honduras because of MS-13, you should be able to claim refugee status here. That was the Democrat Party's position and still is. Democrats believe that anyone who comes here, particularly from a third world country, particularly from circumstances where they have very limited education, uh, no connection to America other than uh, economic interest. They think that that's that's a great thing and they want as much of that as is possible. And they see California as the model for the rest of the country. Bring in as many illegals as possible. So then you tip the political balance permanently in favor of the Democrat socialist left. And then those households, those illegals, as they have household formation and they have children here, the children, of course, are under our law uh, considered U.S. citizens. We've never really dealt with in, in court the the issue of anchor babies and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. But Trump said he would. That has not yet happened. But currently, you're a U.S. citizen if you're born here, even if your parents came here illegally. And we know that this leads to birth tourism where Asian uh, Asian visitors, not even immigrants, will show up here, have a baby in a usually California hospital, give that baby citizenship, go back to mainland China in particular. And then when they feel like it, their kid gets to go to come back to America, full citizenship rights, the whole thing, right? Go to in-state tuition and the UCAL system. And no other country in the world does this. We're the only country where people are doing that. At least the only major country that I know of where that occurs. And we're told that this is normal. I know immigration is not a major media narrative right now people aren't focused on this i'm trying to tell you we've lost sight of this trump needs to return to this issue because the democrats are all on board they already know what the game plan is they know what they're going to do if they get a democrat in the white house under these circumstances before the wall has been built before there has been a true reform in security at the border and also for enforcement of immigration. Those things have not happened yet. 
and we don't have some grand bargain to prevent a future amnesty after a mass amnesty. In fact, it'll become even more likely, which gets us to that open borders, de facto open border status I'm talking about. There's no such thing as an open border. No, no one really has it. There's no country that has a truly open border. But we're, we would be as close to it as anybody. Joe Biden knows what his marching orders are here. Here he is saying what he's going to do if he becomes president for the first 100 days. Play clip nine. There are going to be no deportations in the first 100 days of my campaign. Let me get that right. right. You are going to freeze deportations? Freeze deportations for the first 100 days. And then and only people will be deported are people who committed a felony while here. That's number one. Freeze deportations, huh? So the law doesn't count anymore, right? Under U.S. law, if you're in the United States illegally, you are subject to deportation. Now they're going to go beyond just the prosecutorial discretion expansion of the Obama administration, which is really just lawlessness, right? Oh, Obama says we're, we're going to uh, do everything we can to make sure that only the, the, the proper resources are utilized for deportations, i.e., yeah, if you, you know, kill someone or you're in a drunk driving accident, you maim someone, I guess we'll still deport that illegal. But other illegals, no, no, they get to they get to stay, uh, especially if they're a DACA, DAPA, you know, deferred action for the friends of the parents of the childhood arrivals, you know, DAFA. I'm sure they were getting ready for that one. Well, I'm, I'm not. I wasn't brought here as a kid, but my friend was. And, you know, we're close. So shouldn't I stay, too? Biden saying no deportations in the first hundred days. What do you what do you think that is? It's not a dog whistle to the Democrat base. It's just letting them know, guys, this is the plan. We're going to freeze all deportations to give the Democrats in Congress, assuming they have even a simple majority in the House and, and they might even have one in the Senate. They're going to get rid of the filibuster and their first order of business will be amnesty. They made a strategic mistake the last time. The Democrats have learned from this. They went all in on health care and couldn't get the American people there. So they had to do this Obamacare thing and they had to change the implementation. And then it was subject to all kinds of legal challenges. What they for the true left wing socialist takeover of America, what they should have done. And I can only say that now because they missed their window with it. So it's not like I'm giving them any advice they're going to take what they should have done is go all in on amnesty. And Republicans were willing. Look at Rubio and others, the Gang of Eight, right? They were willing to do it. And then the political gravity, the political reality shifts so dramatically, you get whatever you want after that. It's not 11 million illegals, folks. And I'm not just making... I've talked to Border Patrol about this at the highest levels. I've talked to Immigration and Customs Enforcement at the highest levels. The answer is we have no way of knowing, and Democrats won't let us know but it's probably 20 to 25 million illegal aliens in the country. And when it's a Democrat amnesty and they just say, everybody just come out and you get your get. Come on out, get your citizenship, everyone. Then we'll finally see the numbers. And then it's too late. Buck, this is. This is too much. They wouldn't do this. This isn't the plan. Really? Here's Joe Biden. Yesterday, play eight. President Trump has canceled DACA. What, could, what do you do? I'm going to reinstate it. And then they're going to be part of what I'm going to send to the United States Congress is a total immigration bill to provide a pathway to citizenship for undocumented people in the United States of America. This is this is it makes no sense for us not to do that. 
Pathway to citizenship. The only guarantee that you get with a pathway to citizenship is amnesty for illegal aliens. All the other stuff they say, we have done this before. Look at history. Look at the Reagan amnesty. I know some, some people don't like to hear this on the right, but Reagan got swindled. Look at the, and he admitted that. So don't, don't send me some angry email. Buck, don't say that about St. Reagan. Reagan's like, look, I got, I got, I got bamboozled. They will say there are all these checks and balances and only people who pay back taxes and learn English and all the, that's all crap. And there'll be court challenges for all eternity for anybody after that who should be deported, even under the amnesty that they pass. And you'll be paying for it, right? There'll be lawyers offered up by the government or by nonprofits, who cares? And they will make sure that no one ever gets deported. What do you think? The, we're fighting right now in an election where it's very likely that a half a million total votes will be the margin of, of victory in the, in the various states in play. And it could be 100, 200,000 votes. The Democrats have a plan here to amnesty by their own numbers, at least 11.7 million. And it's probably double that. At the very bit, they're going to do it at the very beginning. Why wouldn't they? Right? Why wouldn't they do this? Makes perfect sense for them. But it means the Republican Party and limited government and the Constitution as we know it and individual rights, that stuff all goes away in favor of big government, big state socialism rule by the mob. No more individual rights, no more anchoring Constitution to protect us from what the big state wants to do those are the stakes that's what we're up against right now and i wish the president of the united states who won his first election on this issue would return to it now i know there's covid i know there's law and order issues we're talking about that a lot but what about immigration tell people that you're going to have built almost 300 miles of wall already and you're going to get to 500 in short order Tell people, Mr. President, where is this issue where, it, where there's silence on it? And it's not just about what's happening today. It is about the strategic long-term implications for this country. He won in 2016 on this. He can help himself win again if he focuses in on this. And we all need to be aware of it. With amnesty comes the end, my friends. This country will never be the same afterwards. <laughs> You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. He is probably wrong, according to my sources, about when the people working on the vaccine will feel good about it getting out of phase three, especially uh, with this little setback they just had. I don't know that it's a little setback, but they have people who are getting sick in a way that they have to figure out why. Um, so let's say he's wrong about when it comes out because he wants to time it to the election. Of course he does. He wants everything about this to be geared to his advantage. A vaccine doesn't stop this virus for us. Thanks. Noted legal and high level legal expert and high level intellectual Chris Cuomo. It's again, the vaccine won't stop this. What will stop it? If you listen to Democrats, nothing stops the pandemic. If you listen to the current drumbeat from the media get ready for a second wave more masking they're they're all now they're all now telling you oh it's gonna be maybe next summer we can start to just live life normally again 
Next, some of these people are out of their minds. They do not have the right to control everyone because of their fear or their political needs. I'm sorry, but but mandating orders for people who are healthy with the idea that it's theoretically possible that some of them may be sick and get other people sick is tyrannical lunacy. And everyone agreed in the medical community about that until like five minutes ago. You can read about pandemic preparedness. You can read from the, from the top levels of global health expertise. When they looked at lockdowns, they always said, oh, wait, we can't do this. That's too much. And we don't even know how well it will work. And here's, here's some, some news for them. It didn't work. Viruses all over the country. So then they're going to say, oh, well, we didn't do a good enough job. Yeah, kind of like communism, right? The lockdown wasn't implemented correctly. But next time we'll get it right. Wasn't implemented correctly. The lockdown makes no sense. Lockdown until vaccine, we all agreed, too painful, too long, too much, too damaging to society with too little benefit because you could never truly lock down. People would starve in their homes, right? You got to go to the grocery store. You got to go outside to do certain things. People are going to mingle with people. Not everyone's going to listen. We don't have the police resources to force everybody to do what the lockdowners want them to. And even if we did have those resources, it would be wrong. It would be tyranny, real tyranny. The, the libs that were complaining about Trump fascism at the beginning of his presidency have had not a word of protest. In fact, a lot of support for governments just arbitrarily saying you can't leave your home. You can't see other people. You can't see family and friends. And we've just sort of gone along with this. And I'm even seeing conservatives saying, oh, you know, wear a mask, wear a mask, do as you're told. Why? Show me the proof that any of this has done anything for us. All that it's done is we, we wait till the level goes really low and then we reopen and then all of a sudden the cases go up because they're doing more testing. You're delaying cases. You're not stopping them. So what is the point? And now they're even saying with, with, with a vaccine, it doesn't end. So when does it end? Oh, I know when it ends. When they say so. That's not the country. That's not the world I want to live in. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm just going to be frank here. I've heard some people say basically, well, it's all old people. You know, they're at the end of their life. So that is not, first of all, that's a terrible thing to say and violates every ethical standard. But second of all, it is not just going to be 95-year-olds. It is going to be lots of people who would die if we just let this virus rip and didn't wear masks and didn't do social distancing and didn't do anything. It would be our mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and friends and children who would be dying. Why would you want that? Why does the president of the United States want Americans to die in large numbers? Why does he want that? Why does he want his own people to die? It makes no sense whatsoever. Someone needs to give CNN's medical reporter there a clonopin. Try to calm down. Why does he want people to die? Why does he want to kill everyone? Why is Trump such a monster? He doesn't want anyone to die, you idiot. I mean, CNN is trash and we all know it. Jeff Zucker has destroyed that place. It is, it is worthy of nothing but your contempt. It does not do good work. It does not do honest reporting. It's a horrible place. And so it's not surprising their medical, cor their medical correspondent is going to say things like, why does the president want people to die? We've been doing the masking. We've been doing the social distancing. At what point is the cost too high? 
You know that according to Yelp data now, 60% of closed businesses are closed forever. Millions and millions of people who have lost their life's work, lost their lost their job. And, you know, people die every day from a whole lot of diseases. A whole lot more people even now are dying from heart disease every day than die from COVID-19. We don't shut down society. We don't mandate that everybody has to walk four miles a day or else because it's good for heart health. You know, the world is imperfect and there are risks. The flu is coming back this year. Are we supposed to all mask up for that? Oh, but Buck, it's a oh, I'm sorry. Those 30,000 or 40,000 people, a lot of them are elderly and have uh, comorbidities. Are, are they their lives don't count? No, at some point, though, you, you can't just go through life acting like you're always carrying some kind of virus. Common sense precaution. If you are sick, stay away from old people. If you are sick, try to you know separate yourself from others. But you do that if you had a cold or if you had the flu. This other stuff. This masking outdoors, this is for show. What are they doing? Well, we know what they're doing. We talk about it, but they want old people to die. Do they want old people to die in Sweden? Is that is that the plan? The only person that you can point to and say maybe he did want old, old people to die is Democrat Andrew Cuomo of New York, who sent COVID positive seniors back into nursing homes when there was no way that that wasn't going to create even more infections among the most susceptible population. But this is the, the logic that libs give you on this, that that Trump wants people to die. That's what there's that's what they believe. They really think that. Why would he want that? The guy definitely wants to be president, likes being in charge. It's not good for him, not good for his supporters, not good for his brand. Put aside the moral implications for a second because they think Trump's a moral monster. I think they're morons and they're wrong, but he doesn't want people to die. But if you start from that premise, if you think that you're dealing with an evil monster that doesn't care, then nothing else really matters that will be said to a person. And that's what we're dealing with with the lockdown libs. That's where we are. Trump listened to Fauci. I think too much. Trump listened to the experts on this. You know, he set up the ventilators. He sent the hospital ships. He opened the field hospitals. He did all these things. Did all this federal money into testing and now into a vaccine. I mean, he's done a lot. What is it supposed to do? States set their own timelines for opening and closing. We forget that now. They were saying, and they want you to forget this, in May, it's not up to the president. He can't tell us to reopen. And now we're into September, soon to be October. They're saying, look what Trump did. It's all his fault. Why is it all Trump's fault that people weren't doing enough social distancing, enough mask wearing? And then we see all these lib frauds who are all, wear a mask, wear a mask. And then you see photos of them, video of them. They're not wearing a mask when they're out with people. Oh, but I care so much. I mean, hip- hypocrisy is the single most obvious. It- it's really the catastrophic failing of the Democrats today. They're just such hypocrites all the time. They pretend to be something they're not, and then they wonder why people don't believe them and don't trust them. But... The good news is people are starting to realize that there are still laws and protections that we're the same legal system that is now being abused to send me text messages from my state government. I just got more of them yesterday saying you better not go outside unless you have a medical emergency for two weeks. You know what, New York State, go blank yourself. Okay, 
I'm not staying. Yeah, I'm not going to go hang out in a nursing home. I'm not going to a crowded facility. I'm not locking myself in my apartment for two weeks because I was in Montana for a couple of days. And by the way, now they, they, you know, they take states on that list. They put them off the list. I go into a restaurant. I don't have a mask when I sit down. I get up to walk to a bathroom. Everyone goes, oh, my gosh, where's your mask? This is hysteria. People have lost it. They need to think through what's actually happening. This is a virus. The government was unable to stop the spread of it. It's like a cold that can kill people. We have never been able to stop the cold from spreading continuously throughout the year. We were not able to stop the spread of this. But this particular strain, hopefully, has gotten to a point now in a lot of populations where we're near herd immunity and we have a vaccine coming. That's it. All this other stuff, wash your hands, wear a mask, social distance, all these Fauciisms that were said as though it was some genius idea to protect us all. This is lunacy. It doesn't do anything. This is mandating a campaign to, to eliminate, you know, a heart disease by telling everybody you are under law forced to go for a three mile walk every morning. Do you know how much we would cut down heart disease if we do that? We would save tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of lives. All we have to do is you must go for a three mile walk every day when you wake up, if you're physically capable of doing it. That's not the government's job. It's not the government's job. The government doesn't have a right to make you do that. And I know it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's an analogy or it seems like, oh, but come on. You're being told that you have to put a cloth over your mouth when you're outside by yourself. I've had friends who have had people shout at them for going on nature walks alone and they walk past somebody 10 feet away from them who's obviously a Biden voting shrill lunatic, but that's what the Biden voters are now, who's like, wear a mask. Why? I'm going to wear a mask. This whole thing is, we have failed this stress test on our emotions as a country. And, you know, the, the virtue signaling is, it just makes me want to vomit what I see from all these people. Oh, the big public platforms, they care so much. There's a photo of Cuomo walking his dog on the street. No mask, not even down around his neck. No mask on, doesn't care. I mean, the governor Cuomo, not the bro brother. Bro Cuomo. Oh, man. But there's at least a judge, Tom Wolf, not to be confused with the famous author, Tom Wolf. Judge in Pennsylvania appointed, uh, I'm sorry, Tom Wolf is the governor. Pardon me. Tom Wolf's. Um, Orders have been stopped. He is not to be con- confused with the author. Tom Wolf is a governor, and he has said, well, he has put in place for months COVID restrictions. U.S. District Judge William Stickman IV, a Trump appointee, has said that this is, uh, this is just wrong. He has sided with people, you know, barber shops, other small businesses, who have come forward to say, hey, uh, what is this? Why is my business shut down, but other businesses aren't? What are these arbitrary rules? At least there should be legislation. At least the people that are elected to create laws should have to make these laws and then deal with the public backlash. But when you have in blue states where the only choice is Democrat, because Democrats, God forbid, vote for anything other than the same failed policies they always want. 
if you if you see what's actually happening in these places, they're making it up as they go along. So you know the governor there is apology is uh, is promising to appeal for all of this, and it's just appalling that this is this is what has been going on with with this with the wave of a pen with uh, a public pronouncement. Our elected officials think that they can say you have you've done nothing wrong. You've committed your no crime. And there's a ninety nine point nine 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 chance that you're not actually a covid risk. And you can be told to stay in your home. You can be told you have to put yourself into physical discomfort even when you're working out. I mean, I was in the gym yesterday. There were four other people in the gym. We're all wearing masks. I'm looking around like, do you guys all realize this is the dumbest, most pointless thing I've done in a long time, and I voted for Mitt Romney in 2012, for heaven's sakes. Does any, anyone else feel like this is completely insane? We're living in crazy town. Let's, let's get rid of the crazy. This is, in, this is nuts. We all go along with it. Oh, okay. Makes people feel better. No. No. This is the beginning, I hope, of the legal challenges to this. You know? Yeah, the right to bear arms means that there are going to be some people, there are guns in circulation, some people will get them, usually illegally, and then use them for illegal means. Doesn't mean you get to take away my gun. The right to basic individual freedom and autonomy means that unless the state has a reason to punish you for something, they're not allowed to shut down your business, lock you in your home, tell you what you can and can't say about this, and send men with sticks and guns after you in the employ of the state if you disagree. What is going on here? I, I swear this country has been dragged through a mass delusion and, and we're, we're going to wake up and look back at this and, and people will not even believe it when they look back at this. They'll say this couldn't have really been what had happened here. This couldn't really be America where people just assume, oh, sure, whatever the government tells me, I'll do. They've been wrong about this at every stage. They don't have a plan to protect us. And now they're pretending that a vaccine's not even enough. I want my life back. And people need to start taking action themselves to say, no, no, we're, we're not. We're not actually going to listen to your stupid, your dumbass rules anymore. Until somebody wants to explain why wearing a mask when you get up and walk to the bathroom in a restaurant, but take it off for the two hours you're sitting there eating is good health policy. They can all shut their mouths with the masks over them. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I'm not looking to be dishonest. I don't want people to panic. And we are going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And it is going away. And it's probably going to go away now a lot faster because of the vaccine. It would go away without the vaccine, George. But it's going to go away a lot faster. It would go away without the vaccine? Sure. Over a period of time. Sure. With time. It goes many deaths. And you'll develop, you'll develop herd, like a herd mentality. It's going to be, it's going to be herd developed and that's going to happen. That will all happen. But with the vaccine, I think it will go away very quickly. Got to take a quick But break. I really believe we're rounding the corner and I believe that's strong. As you know, Dr. Fauci disagrees with that. Well, I mean, but a lot of people do dis- do agree with me. You look at uh, Scott Atlas, you look at some of the other doctors that are highly from Stanford, look at some of the other doctors. They think maybe we could have done that from the beginning. I think we did it exactly right. We closed it up. Now we're opening and we're opening up to a super V because the numbers are fantastic. 
Oh, but but Fauci disagrees. Fauci's been wrong always. Everything Fauci has said from the beginning of this to the end has been whenever there's a judgment call to make wrong. This guy's got nothing to offer. The libs love him because he's a bureaucrat, Democrat product of the system who's this 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 constant nag on the country just sitting on her shoulder like, well, you got to you know, this is gonna what has he done that's helpful? What has he done? He, he goes out there and, and says, you know, could be this, it could be that. I can do that, too. What does he explain that we don't know? What's the what's the what's the actual mortality rate of this, Dr. Fauci? How well do masks work? Does he have answers to one of these questions? No. Instead, it's wash your hands. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, That'll really that'll really be helpful. Even Trump is just asking some basic questions about this stuff. Play uh, play 13. Now, uh, there is, by the way, a lot of people don't want to wear masks. There are a lot of people think the masks are not good. And there are a lot of people that, as an example, who are those people? Well, I'll tell you who those people are. Waiters, they come over and they serve you and they have a mask. And I saw it the other day where they were serving me and they're playing with a mask. I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying what happens. They're playing with a mask. And so the mask is over and they're touching it and put, and then they're touching the plate uh, that can't be good there are a lot of people if you look at dr fauci's original statement you look at a lot of people cdc you look at a lot of people's original statement they said very strongly george don't wear masks then all of a sudden they went to wear masks the concept of a mask is good but it also does you're constantly touching it you're touching your face you're touching plates there are people that don't think masks are good yes that is true Masks are so good. Why is it that people that are really working in full on covid units have respirators? I mean, have have much more advanced and those do work. Yeah, of course. That is science, right? I mean, okay, maybe wearing a mask reduces transmission five percent within uh, certain circumstances. Maybe if that was all it took. Why is it that why is it that Hawaii, a state that instituted the outdoor mask mandate, a month after it did that, might have even been two months after it did that, based on the chart that I saw, uh, it had a huge explosion of cases in Hawaii. And they've had mask mandates all along. Oh, we're listening. We listen to the science. We listen to the science. People don't know anything about science. Science is constantly testing and retesting assumptions. It changes. They're wrong about stuff. They learn new stuff. I mean, all you have to do is you know, watch a local news broadcast. I'm like, oh, it turns out scientists say milk is actually bad for you. Oh, no, it's good for you no margarine's good no butter's good i mean we're always learning new things and that's why it has to be based in what the data is that you have right now and you have to be honest about the assumptions they've made so many assumptions about about covid and they the fact that they point to new york as a model of success the fact that public perception based on the most recent polling from this week is that the best covid responses have been in blue new england states like new york new jersey uh, Massachusetts, and they have the worst mortality. The most people dying just goes to show you this is all a propaganda fight. It's all political. And the health authorities, people like Fauci say New York flattened the curve. I want to be like, are you a moron? I want to ask Fauci this. Are you a moron? New York flattened its population because so many people died here. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's check in with noted scientific expert and Chardonnay connoisseur, Chardonnay socialist. That's it, that's it, Pelosi. They, they, they have contempt 
Science. Play 17. Climate crisis, which is causing these, uh, has, has an impact, has a, a, a has influenced what is happening in California and the whole West, as well as the storms that are uh, battering the Gulf Coast. Mm. This is a reality. So and when it comes to the coronavirus, they have contempt for science. That's why we are almost 200,000 people who will lose their lives by the end of this week. 200,000 people. And that's why that there are contempt for science as to what the, uh, uh, the climate crisis is. She goes from climate crisis to basically fake crying about the 200,000 people who have died, uh, who will have died from COVID this week. Um, as though she's an actress reading for a part. We're not supposed to pay attention to that, of course. We're, we're to believe that Nancy Pelosi cares so, so much about the poor, the poor people. Yeah, they, who else is going to scrub my toilets and do all my chores and laundry and cooking? You know, that, that's what Nancy thinks about poor people. She likes poor people to be around so that she can order them to do things for her that she doesn't want to have to do herself because she's a millionaire who lives in a mansion in San Francisco. So there's that. But, oh, yeah, no, she cares a lot. She has big, big tears. Nancy's got big tears. Sure, she does. What a fraud. What an absolute fraud. And this this phrase contempt for science. What does that mean? I mean, when they say that, it makes me think, oh, wow, is this a person who are they like a true Luddite? You know, they don't want to use they don't want to use cell phones because they 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 think that it's going to give you brain cancer or something. You know, Luddite going back to the uh, beginnings of what was it? The Industrial Revolution in England. Ned Ludd, uh, apocryphal character who they would say would commit sabotage in the factories when they're using machinery to replace, uh, I believe it was weavers, loom workers. And yeah, yeah, Luddites, right? That's where we get the term. People that won't use technology, although it was really more political than it was about actually being scared or unwilling to use technology. They didn't want their jobs to be replaced. Uh, What is it exactly that Republicans have contempt for when it comes to science? We are lectured about this from people who has, and this is mainstream Democrat thinking now, uh, they will tell you openly that men can get pregnant, that a fetus is not a baby, that uh, a man can become a woman, that there are multiple genders, not just two. And I'm trying to think what, what else. I'm, I mean, there's a whole slew of, you know, you can, there's a lot of stuff here leave out um but yeah that's the political party that wants to lecture people on science and the scientific illiteracy of so many of their beliefs and ideas is apparent to the point where it's almost beyond parody i mean you can't even really mock these things you know they they will say stuff oh they think that men don't have a biological advantage in sports or in fighting over women this this is mainstream Democrats of this is what if you are a Democrat, you are to believe these things. It's not up for debate, not up for discussion. And they want to lecture us about science. You know, anytime you start to get a, a lib who wants to tell you about how sciency they are, just ask them to define what a woman is and see how they start to stammer. Uh, 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 well, the X chromosome with the uh, 
but nah, but you know, ideas and feelings and it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Isn't just female agenda, a biological reality? But no, they they can't even say that because their belief system has has gone well beyond it. It's funny the same way that uh, libs have con- libs say that we have contempt for science. I just want to say they have con- they have contempt for for history and for logic. They they put emotion over reason all the time. And Nancy Pelosi is, is a perfect example of that. And it's just pathetic to watch her try, try to get some tears going for political advantage. Uh, Nancy Pelosi doesn't give a crap about people that aren't useful to Nancy Pelosi, just as a rule. She's the classic limousine liberal, the Chardonnay socialist, the person who elevates herself, doesn't have to actually deal with the bad policies that she enforces on everyone else, and then goes around thinking she's doing some great service for America, or at least pretends to. And the fact that she is at, at the top of the Democrat Party really tells you everything you need to know. But my favorite thing that happened yesterday may have been this. CNBC's Jim Cramer. I was out there like, yeah, like invest in this, you know, honk, honk, like, like, you know, all the noises and buy this stock and buy that stock and all the stuff that he does. I'll never forget when Cramer went on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and Jon Stewart just got to sit there and, and sanctimoniously uh, lambaste him. Uh, I never forget that. And I was like, Jim, why are you doing this for, for the financial crisis? Is this some guy who's on a show like, yeah, buy this stock, sell this one? Blah, like, is this is a huge, there's, you know, trillion dollars, uh, trillions of dollars moving around in these financial markets, mega institutions. And Jim Cramer's the fall guy. I, I, that was that was just unfair, man. That was unfair. That's why you can never trust. Uh, you can never have a, a, a political conversation with lib comedians. Because they all, all their whole their whole bit is to humiliate you and avoid accountability for their ideas. Clown nose on, clown nose off. You know, honk honk, I'm a comedian. Oh, look at you, your name is silly. Uh, did you just say that there are no victims of, of communism from the 20th century? Like, oh, I'm just a comedian, man. You know, that's what they love to do. John Stewart did it. Many, many, many left wing comedians. Uh, they they want to play in the big boy intellectual game when they want to, and the moment they get cornered, they go, oh, I'm just here making making crank yanker jokes and you know whatever uh he did it to uh john stewart did the same thing to tucker carlson a long time ago on cnn uh, the clip is still there i just completely play the clown nose on clown nose off game and ambushed him anyway this was fun speaking of clown nose on clown nose off jim kramer he let this one slip yesterday play clip two between you and I think Secretary Mnuchin, I mean, what deal can we have, uh, Crazy Nancy? I'm sorry, I, that, that was the president. I, I, I have such reverence for the office, I would never use that term. But it is but you hard, just did. isn't it? Oh, come <laughs> but on. you just did. You know what I mean. He called it Crazy Nancy to her face. <laughs> yes, Kramer, yes. And the president retweeted this. He's like, don't back, don't back down from this. Don't step away from this. You got to go for it, man. She is crazy, Nancy. Crazy, Nancy. Crazy, Nancy. So, yeah, there you have it. Oh, that was great. That really, that really made my day. It really did. Just, just having Nancy Pelosi get called crazy to her face. Uh, you know, she's even some Democrats have come out to say that her tactics during this COVID lockdown uh this this tact uh, this uh, tactic that she's taken of hold the country hostage 
and then try to use that uh, in order to get more concessions from Republicans to get wish list uh, wish list items uh, from the Congress done right to get from the libs in the Congress that that Pelosi doesn't care about people that are suffering right now. That much is very obvious. Doesn't feel any urgency. All the businesses that are going under, all the people who are losing their livelihoods. And, and then remember, you lose your business, you can't pay your bills, then you lose your home. Right. There's, there's a cascading effect here when all that income and all that work, all that work product is ta- taken from you by the government. These are not businesses that have failed because of the market. These are businesses that have failed because of lockdown libs. They have taken people's livelihoods from them by force of law, by force of police. We're going to come shut you down. Don't don't let people work out in your gym. Don't let. Healthy people go do something that's good for them during a pandemic. No, no, don't let that happen. It's unbelievable. But you get, you know, crazy Nancy lecturing people about how she cares about the poor. Oh, and about science, too. And about how they have they have contempt for science. How do they have contempt for science? What is it exactly that Republicans say that is contemptuous of science? You know, we now we now play their game too, even on climate change. They'll say, do you believe in climate change? No, climate change is is real. It's just not something we can control and doesn't really make much of a difference. <gasps> oh, my gosh. You know, this, but no, sure. Climate change is real. It's always been real. It's been real for as long as the earth has been around. So why would it not be real now? Of course, it's real. Oh, but you mean it's kind of like BLM. They, they create a phrase that you must agree with, and then you sign on for the entire political agenda. Almost like this is a propaganda tactic that they've honed over time, as dishonest and disgusting as it is. This is what they like to do. And here's the mayor, mayor uh, Garcetti, uh, mayor of L.A., as if, you know, L.A. plastic bag ordinances are going to somehow stop the earth from warning morons. Play five. The idea of saying, I don't think science knows, is like turning back 2,000 years of human progress. It's like saying the truth doesn't actually know. We know what is causing this. Um, there is consensus there, and he's kind of one of the last members of the Flat Earth Society. But, you know, denial doesn't work when it comes to COVID. Denial doesn't, come, doesn't work when it comes to climate. And the cost of denial is that people lose their lives and their livelihood. What is, uh, what is Trump denying about COVID exactly? I'm always amazed by that. It's kind of like when they say Trump's a racist and I say why. And then the only thing they can bring up is a talking point. That's a lie about Charlottesville that they just keep saying, even though it's demonstrably false. What is it exactly? What is it exactly that they uh, point to here? It's not clear. It's not clear at all. It's just that's that's what you're supposed to hear. Like I, I had an old, I had an old friend reach out last night, lives in California. He's a lib. And he said, look, man, I don't like I know I don't, I don't like to bring up politics with you. And, you know, that's I can be friends with liberals. Just don't, you know, don't step don't step into the Thunderdome with the Buckster because you're not going to like what ends up happening. Right. You can be my friend and be a lib, but don't start thinking, have you ever thought of? Yes, I have thought of. Have you ever heard the argument from the left buck? Yes, I've heard. I've heard that argument. This is what I do all day, all the time. But he goes, you know, I don't think that climate change denial is going to look so smart when Manhattan's underwater. I, I can't even respond because I'm just, you're so brainwashed. Do you think Manhattan's going to be underwater in our, in our lifetime? In 500 years, who knows what the world's going to look like, but 
I'm not going to change how much water I use in the shower because of what might happen in a century or two. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Why did Trump agree to do a town hall with Stephanopoulos? First of all, the Stephanopoulos thing, I'm, I'm fascinated by this guy because I don't understand it at all. He's just another tiny, smug, lib journo. Guy was a Democrat operative, just like Jake Tapper. Oh, Jake Tapper, who intervenes in congressional races now to try to convince people not to run. Did that to our friend Sean Parnell, if you read the reports on it. That's a weird move, isn't it? But these Democrat operatives pose as journalists, which so they're frauds. And then they say, well, when I say they, they can be journalists, but they're opinion journalists, right? They are people that are pushing an agenda and that they pretend not to is absurd. It's laughable. Uh, but Stephanopoulos sits there and and last night it reminded me of a CNN segment where the neutral anchor is there just to make sure that the handpicked Democrat, you know, a- a- attack guests can go after the Republican and have somebody that say, yeah, yeah, make sure that all the all the blows land as hard as they possibly can. And that's what I saw happening. there. That's the circumstance as it was unveiled in front of me. I don't know why Trump did it. I don't understand. Uh, you know, we, we don't really have that many of them here, but it just was a lot of questions that were basically like, sir, why do you do this terrible thing? And, you know, you're kind of a racist. And then he sits there and he tries to be nice and respectful to the person now, there's one woman uh, uh, who was asking about pre-existing conditions and like said, basically told the president she didn't say shut up. but was kind of like, you know, excuse me, sir, you be quiet. I'm like, lady, you're talking to the president of the United States. OK, like show just a tiny bit of respect. Can you, can you imagine if at a town hall somebody had, had silenced just some random person picked by the producers to uh, attack Obama with some loaded question, but some random person was talking over the president saying, excuse me, sir, be quiet. Let me finish my question. Oh, I don't think that ever would have happened, would it? But Trump got he was being asked, you know, what a pastor from Philadelphia said, what are we supposed to think in the ghetto? His his phrase, quote, in the in, in the ghettos of America, when you say make America great and that that's essentially that's like offensive that make America great again. Uh, what, what are we supposed to say? Well, what, the country's supposed to say make, uh, make America bend the knee and beg forgiveness forever again. I mean, what are we really supposed to do? People that are alive now that had no part of the wrongs of the past shouldn't be made to feel guilty about what they themselves did not do and certainly shouldn't be made to pay for actions that they did not engage in for deeds that they are not responsible for. Democrats seem to not think this. Oh, no, let's let's keep let's keep turning the clock back and find a way to uh, create a narrative that will empower us in the present at the expense of our political opponents. Uh, look, the president was asked about the health care thing. I'm just going to th- this is this is all there during this town hall with Stephanopoulos. I don't know. I don't know why he does this. It doesn't help. It's not worth it. I don't think I mean, I know people are saying I watched it. I did not think it came off. It's not that it came off badly for the president that I didn't like his answers or anything else. But there, he's just subjecting himself to handpicked ABC News hostility. It's an ambush. That's the whole point. 
That's the whole point. You know, Stephanopoulos is there to tell them to, you know, yeah, punch this guy in the face and then, you know, hand him a bag of ice and say, you might want to put this on that there, Mr. President. Sorry. Orchestrating the whole thing. Here's what Trump said about uh, the health care issue, because this is for Republicans right now. This is a weakness. What's the messaging on health care? Where you know, why are we talking more about immigration, as I mentioned last hour? And where are we on the health care issue? Play 14. We are not going to hurt anything having to do with pre-existing conditions. We're not going to hurt pre-existing conditions. And in fact, just the opposite. If you look at what they want to do, where they have socialized medicine, they will get rid of pre-existing conditions. If they go into Medicare for all, which is socialized medicine, and you can forget about your doctors and your plans, just like you could forget under President Obama. He said you can have your doctor, you can have your plan. And that turned out to be a lie. And he said it 28 different times. At least we have 28 different times. You can have your doctor, you can have your plan. Well, it's not true. But what we're doing is we're going to be doing a health care plan, pre-existing, protecting people with pre-existing conditions. As an example, yourself, it sounds like that's exactly perfect. That's exactly what we're talking about. We're going to be doing a health care plan very strongly and protect people with pre-existing conditions. What is that health care plan? How, how is it possible that we had, you know, let, let's have some tough talk, Republicans. You know, you know, I you know, I love all the best things about this Trump administration and, and the GOP and Mitch McConnell, the mean, lean judge confirmation machine. There have been some great things that have happened. The Mideast peace deal. I you know, I talk about the good stuff. You know, I, I share um, the things I need to about this, but we need to have a better health care plan. That's for sure. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a little stroll down memory lane now that we know what the actual results of the Trump administration's foreign policy thus far have been, as the president has the prime minister of Israel talking about what a great peace deal uh, has been. Peace deals are being negotiated or, or being signed, I should say, right now with Bahrain and the UAE. Uh, what was the, the lib claim going to be or what was the lib claim that Trump was going to do to the Middle East back at the start of the presidency? We got a nice little montage for you. Play one. President Trump's big decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and one that Palestinians and others say could destroy hopes of Middle East peace once and for all. The president's unilateral action will get people killed. How hot will it get? And how destabilizing will it be? What he has done is thrown a diplomatic bomb into the Middle East peace process. They're not interested in history. They don't, they don't know history. That would then embarrass all the Sunni Arab regimes. They would have to do something enormously complicating, by the way, Israel's relations with them. It's going to stop any hope of Middle East uh, progress in the peace talks. This kind of uh, policy, unilateral decision, will basically wreck the Middle East. Despite warnings from Turkey's President Erdogan, the kings of Jordan and Saudi Arabia, and all of America's NATO allies that this could kill hopes for Middle East peace. You'd have an explosion, an absolute explosion in the region. You might be saying, Buck, what was that all about? What country did Trump invade and, and, and massacre all the inhabitants in in the Middle East? That was about moving the embassy to Jerusalem. Okay, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, the world's going to fall apart. The Mideast is going to be soaked in blood forever. 
And I always think it's so funny. People who don't really know anything about history or politics in the Middle East will say, oh, it's going to be destabilizing. It's like, first of all, it's pretty destabilized. We're talking about mini stability. It's always something that you're measuring in pretty short increments. And second of all, uh, you think moving an embassy is really going to be a big deal there? Meaning that it's going to lead to violence and uh, please. Steve Schmidt, the dumbest analyst on TV over on MSNBC. He tweeted out, where was this, back in 2018? This is making the rounds today. Trump destabilized the Middle East with his decision to move the embassy. His abject ignorance of the history and religions that have shaped this moment have given succor to the agents of terror and chaos. Trump destabilizes. Hamas terrorists provoke. Israel responds. Repeat. Really, the dumbest analyst on television. Dumber than Anna Navarro, which is amazing. I mean, that's I almost am impressed by how how stupid uh, Steve Schmidt is when he talks about these things. It's not, I don't know the guy. I never met him. It's not personal. I just think he's the worst. I think he's the dumbest analyst on television. Political analyst might be dumber sports analyst or something. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that was what they were saying about the move of the embassy. It was going to wreck everything. Why? Now, now, if you. We're buying a car from somebody. I want to. I want to put this in a in a context. If you were buying a car from somebody, and they were as wrong about that car as you were, uh, as they were rather about this moving of the embassy, right? Meaning that they were saying, "Oh my gosh, that car! The wheels are going to fall off if you buy that car, and it's going to explode if you have the smallest fender bender." The next time after you drive that car, let's say 100,000 miles, it's perfect, purrs like a kitten, no problems. The next time you go to buy a car, would you listen to those morons? Why is it that our news media analysts, particularly about foreign policy and the so-called foreign policy intelligentsia that exists in D.C. and New York primarily, they can just be so stunningly shockingly wrong and it's like you know oh yeah that's just tuesday no biggie no big problem these people are morons i i i sit here and you know you can go back in time you're never going to create a montage of what i say on this show on about foreign policy that sounds anything like that in terms of wow this person doesn't know what the heck they're talking about but you see why do they do it why would they say all those things? Just idiotic things. Because they weren't analyzing foreign policy, really. Foreign policy was merely the blunt instrument used for the, to attack Trump for the amusement of the MSNBC and CNN audience. That's, why, that's all that that was. And so in that sense, they completely succeeded which is why they get bigger followings and they'll get paid more money by these propaganda networks. Because the point isn't to be right. The point isn't to be insightful or to educate people. The point is to attack the political opponents of the left. And whether it's foreign policy or health care or immigration or police uh, issues, that's the ultimate goal. Everything else is... Not even really a consideration. It doesn't matter. And the way that the, the libs were reacting to this peace deal yesterday, I think, tells you everything you need to know about 
are they really rooting for peace in the Middle East? And with that, are they really rooting for American success in foreign policy? You know, there's this old phrase. It's so trite now. It's, it's so quaint that partisanship stops at our nation's borders or, you know, at, at, at the oceans that that uh, border us. And that's clearly not true. Right? Foreign policy has been highly super partisan for a long time. But, you know, you, you do want good things to happen for America and for the world, regardless of, of political party. If you're a sane and moral person, uh, the Democrats can't help but root against this, which is the beginning of what could be. I mean, if you get Saudi Arabia to normalize relations with Israel, which the president said yesterday he believes is a real possibility, you will have a, an entirely new conception of the future of a whole region of the world. And it will go a long way to healing bitterness and hatreds that stretch back over over a millennium now going on two millenniums. So that's really meaningful. If you can just take the orange man bad aspect out of it for a second, Libs, you could see that. But they can't. I mean, even Chuck Todd again, Chuck Todd is just he's an intense mediocrity. I don't know. I mean, Stephanopoulos, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it with these guys. But, you know, they they have people in the corporate suites of these corporation of these corporate media entities that are owned by mega corporations. And, you know, they they just sort of get the job. They're the guy that gets the job. And here's what Chuck Todd said about this peace deal. I thought this is so funny. He's. He's clever enough not to say, what do you mean? We want things in the Mideast to be terrible, but he can't bring himself to actually think this is a good idea. This is a good thing. Play six. You know, Peter, this deal is a bit uncomfortable for a lot of observers to watch because it seems so transactional. It's as if pulling out of the Iran deal is what got these Gulf states on board to do this, you know, to then recognize it. It feels like there is a lot of quid pro quos involved in this. Um, that it isn't something larger than that. Then again, sometimes Middle East diplomacy, the only way to make things move is, is through the transactional nature uh, uh, of the region. Notice how he ends up having to kind of, he says this out loud because he's looking for a way to get an answer, a response. It's like, this deal's not so great, right? Because it's transactional. And then he even goes into, I mean, I guess, yeah, kind of transactional is how diplomacy really works. Quid pro quo is how diplomacy works, right? This is the basis of all of it. You know, it, it's a, it's amazing. This guy has a job doing political analysis on TV that pays him a lot of money. And he says things like that. That's the best. I want to say, fortunately for him, he managed to kind of turn the ship around at, at the end a little bit. But you want to ask, have you, have you ever been in the Middle East? Do you know how stuff gets done there? If you walk around and you tell uh, Arab regimes, hey, you know, it'd be really nice. You know, you know it would be a really nice thing. It would make people feel good. It would be like a big hug if you just stop hating Israel and actually have diplomatic relations with this country. That is a, a, a close ally of the United States. Uh, no, you're, you're not going to get very far if you do that. The transactional nature of diplomacy is something that uh, one who is trying to do real analysis of this would expect is a part of the equation, but... They, they just couldn't like it. I'm still waiting. It hasn't happened yet, but I am still waiting for Vox to write a piece, a preemptive piece, if you will, 
you know, quote, why a U.S. Trump brokered Saudi Israel peace deal could be not such a good thing. They might go there if they, if they think that Trump might actually get some kind of official and look, the Saudi recognition. That's kind of the holy grail of this. That would be the biggest that would be the biggest peace deal in the Middle East ever, ever. And uh, bigger even than than Sadat and you know, Egypt and, and Israel, if the Saudis came on board. I don't know if it'll happen. That's that's a still to me, it feels like a long shot. But then again, look what Trump's been able to pull off so far. Uh, but they would they would find a way. I'm telling you right now, they'd find a way to be like, well, really, he inherited Obama's foreign policy. You know, really, it was the the Iran nuclear deal that created the the groundwork that then they built upon. They'd come up with something. Otherwise, they can just admit that they were wrong. I don't know why it's so hard for libs. They won't do it. They won't admit that they're wrong. I just want to sit here and say, you know, I mean, was Mitt Romney was a better choice than Obama at the time? Yes. But was I wrong to think that Mitt Romney would have been an excellent president? Yeah, I was wrong. Okay, I was wrong. You know, you think about our Mideast military interventions, the war in Afghanistan, absolutely necessary, but we should have left soon after toppling and and ousting the Taliban and and just kept in place a a minimal footprint to help our allies stave off a total collapse afterwards. Uh, You know, Iraq, you know, we were told that uh, there was WMD and there was an imminent threat. You know, was that the right move? No, I think Republicans made a mistake there. Right. And, And you can disagree with me on that. That's fine. But I'm just saying admitting when you're wrong is necessary if you're going to think of yourself as a person who has judgment, integrity, and should be listened to. Right? It's a critical step, but we now live in a, in a media environment, in particular with the lib echo chambers. It's true on the right as well. You have people like this who will just never, they will never admit a mistake. They think the pretense of being, you know, the smartest, the best. They think the pretense of that is the most important aspect of their brand that they're better and smarter than everybody else all the time and never wrong and never wrong. Um, you know, they were wrong about Trump on foreign. I mean, the libs were wrong about Trump on foreign policy and they just, they just can't handle it. It's like they can't process it. It's like they, they can't figure out what to do with it. So it just does not compute. So what are they, they're going to ignore it or they're going to downplay it, move on to something else. You know, talk about how Trump is you know, worse than Hitler. They'll come up with some some craziness to replace this in our minds so that we just don't spend time thinking about. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Oh, here we go. We're going to get told any minute now, any minute now, there's going to finally be justice for the deep state collusion against Trump. Lindsey Graham is going to get to the bottom of it. Senate Homeland Security Committee authorizes subpoenas and testimony from or subpoenas for testimony from Obama officials as part of Russia probe. Brennan, Clapper, Comey. And look, uh, we'll talk about this. We'll we'll this we'll discuss this, but they already ha- we already know what they're going to say. Once they testify, I mean, you got the Senate Homeland Security Committee here uh, saying that they've authorized subpoenas for 
Former CIA Director Brennan, former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, former FBI Director James Comey, and other Obama administration officials. The committee held a business meeting to authorize Committee Chairman Ron Johnson to issue notices for taking depositions, et cetera, et cetera. The committee voted eight to six to authorize the subpoenas. All right, so, so they're doing some subpoenas. Uh, oh, also Dennis McDonough, former FBI counsel Lisa, Lisa Page, FBI agent Joe Pienka, former ambassador of the United Nations Samantha Power, director of intelligence Bill Priest. Wow, they got a lot of people on this list. So I'm, I'm happy they're doing this because at least it'll it'll allow people to see these various uh, senior Democrat deep state officials go before Congress and act like we're all a bunch of idiots and lie to our faces. And you can draw your conclusions from there about how much we can trust these institutions going forward, uh, which have been riddled with uh, far left and deep state, uh, deep state ideologues. And I know this because I was in the CIA and I remember there are lefties all over that place. The analytic core at the CIA is full of people who might as well be working for, you know, a, a Soros, a Soros funded left wing think tank. Honestly. Yeah, I know. I, I was known as like a right wing bomb thrower, even within the ranks of the CIA. People were like, where is this, this guy? He likes Reagan too much. What's going on here? Um, the, the, the analysts are very left wing in their political inclinations there. Uh, but here's where I've also, I, team, I always speak the truth to you. I've been telling you from the beginning, I don't think the Durham probe is going to amount to much because they can always fall back. The bureaucrats know that their ultimate fallback position is we did the best we could. We're just not very smart. We made, we, we believe things that no intelligent person could believe that just happened to be really negative for Donald Trump, but can't prove it was criminal. Can't prove it was criminal. And that'll be that. That'll be that. I mean, except for the, the one guy who was so the only hope for the Durham probe to really get somebody was if they were so reckless and sloppy like that one lawyer at the FBI who changed evidence. But I mean, he's not going to. Is he even going to jail for any period? Of time? He's not going to prison or anything. He's going to plead, going to plead to something. And, you know, that's it. And he'll get a book deal and probably get a Go on the speaking circuit, talk about how he was protecting America from the Russian collusion. So I know, look, it would be probably better. I right? would get more downloads and listens and clicks if I do what some of my uh, fellow right wing media folks do and just say any any moment now, you know, just look at the clock. We're going to get him. We're going to get him. We're not. We're not. You want justice for what happened with the deep state coup against Trump? Give this president four more years. That's the only justice that we'll achieve. There's not going to there's not going to be Comey or Brennan marched out, you know, frog marched out of an office or their homes in handcuffs. It's not going to happen. And if I'm wrong, just like I was saying before, I'll come on this. Wow, team, I missed this one, but it's not going to happen. So I don't want people getting their hopes up about that. Let's focus on winning this election. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, team, with us for the first time here on the Buck Sexton Show, we are joined by the one and only Bill O'Reilly. He's got a new book out, Killing Crazy Horse, like all the others. I'm sure going to be a huge bestseller. And, of course, he hosts the Bill O'Reilly 
show. Bill, great to have you. Thanks for having me in, Buck. I really appreciate it. So I, I want I got a lot of questions I got to ask you about politics, but first, let's just chilling crazy horse. Some of your other topics, I think people, they think Jesus, Lincoln, okay, biggest figures, you know, in, in our history. Why crazy horse? Well, this is the ninth killing book, the uh, most successful nonfiction book series of all time. 17 million copies of my books in print. And I'm writing primarily for the American citizen who loves his or her country and wants an honest appraisal of it. So if you look at all of my books outside of Jesus, that's the theme. And the big gap that people don't know about is what happened between 1813 and 1890. 77 years of conflict between Native Americans and Washington, D.C. So how did it unfold? Who were the heroes? Who were the villains? Who did what to whom? We don't know. I was a a history teacher, high school history teacher. I didn't know until I started to research the book with Martin Dugard, my co-author, and I went, are you kidding me? This really happened? So we give you all the big names, Cochise, Crazy Horse, Sitting Bull, Geronimo, Chief Joseph, Tecumseh. We tell you what happened to them, what kind of people they were. And then we uh, go over the white section from uh, Andrew Jackson, who put down the Creek Rebellion, all the way up to Grover Cleveland, uh, the immortal Grover Cleveland. (laughs) So you read this book, Killing Crazy Horse, you're going to know what happened in your country, and therefore you're going to be able to counter the far left propaganda that is trying to dismantle our nation right now. Yeah, there's not a lot. I mean, there's Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. There, there are a few books that deal with this period in American history, but there should be a lot more. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you tackled this one, especially as we get into this uh, rewriting of history that's going on with the left. And with that, yeah. Bill, I, w- I wanted to transition, if I could, into what are the what is the the primary dynamic you see right now for the folks who are still uh, who are still open to changing their mind in this election? I mean, you're speaking to an audience of mostly but not entirely conservatives. But h- how do you think the Trump administration is positioning itself right now for those persuadables? I mean, is the messaging right? Are we handling these issues the right way? I think President Trump's making a lot of mistakes. I think he could lose. Um. To me, as an independent and somebody who's known Donald Trump for 30 years, I wrote a history book on him, The United States of Trump, which is the best um, book on Trump, if you really want to understand him. I think he's making too many mistakes. I mean, you have a country that is divided, but it's not portrayed accurately by the corrupt media. So if you listen to the media, if you watch the networks and cable news, you think, oh, everybody... Everybody uh, despises Donald Trump. He's a liar. He's this. He's that. It's not true. So when Mr. Trump goes on TV or buys ads and he touts his record, his record's pretty strong. I mean, it is. You want to blame him for COVID? All right, fine. Go blame him for COVID. But you have to blame Macron in France, Modi in India, uh, everybody else, because they're all experiencing tremendous backlash on COVID. So to me, as an American, I don't feel deceived on COVID. As far as the economy is concerned, I mean, we just got numbers today from the Census Bureau that says the median income in America had the largest rise in its history under President Trump before COVID. I mean, that's pretty good to me. 
I mean, you know, everybody benefits. And poverty dropped a single percentage point, which is a huge drop. These are all facts. So the president, unfortunately, wanders. He wanders. And, and by wandering, he gives the corrupt media much opportunity to demonize him. And the voters who are not well-informed hear that. And that could influence the election. However, the big day is September 29th, because the pressure is on Joe Biden to see if he can perform in a cogent manner, and he's not befuddled, which he has been much of the time so far. Do you think it's a, it's a fair hit? I mean, you're, you're somebody who doesn't pull punches, but also you don't like cheap shots. Do you think that the cognitive decline issue with Biden is already well enough established in the public eye that 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 should be uh, an, an area that's a it's a fair area, ta- area of attack and should be one for the Republicans? I don't I don't see it as an attack. I see it as a problem. If you listen, Buck, and I know you have because I listen to your program. If you listen to what Joe Biden said about covid in the military in Michigan last week. It's frightening. He did not know what he was saying. If you and I make a mistake, we usually know that we made a mistake and we correct it. Or it's a little mistake. Not him. The entire description that he gave about COVID in the military was so far off, he couldn't even say numbers. And he was reading it. He couldn't even read it. So this isn't an attack on Joe Biden. It's an observation. This is a problem (laughs) that the Democratic nominee for president has. Yeah, it's amazing. And we're speaking of Bill O'Reilly, author of Killing Crazy Horse, one of uh, the the latest in his long series of bestsellers, looking back into important parts, important characters in history. And of course, you all know the Bill O'Reilly show. Uh, Bill, the the law and order issue from the very beginning of this after George Floyd's protests, I was saying, don't bend the knee, this BLM stuff. We've seen this before. We've actually been through this before under the Obama administration, as you know. And it somehow seems like Democrats are almost surprised that this has come back to bite them in the polls, which has become obvious in the last few weeks. Do you think that this is the liability that could tip the election Or do Democrats feel like they make up that they make more from their base on this than they lose with the independents by by pushing this this movement that I think is just bad for everybody, honestly? The violence issue in America is of help to Donald Trump. So you've got two prongs. You have the loony, destructive maniacs who are attacking Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Minneapolis, Kenosha, Wisconsin, on and on. That's one. Then you have the roving drug gangs in New York, in Los Angeles, in Chicago, who are literally gunning down children in the streets. And the mayors and governors of those places will not control the violence. That's a huge issue for Donald Trump. Because he will, and has. When the guard was sent into Kenosha, because the governor of Wisconsin asked for it, the guard stopped the violence there in hours, not days, hours. 
I had called for the National Guard to be sent into Chicago six years ago. And if it had been, thousands of African-American lives would have been saved. But the idiot governor of Illinois, Pritzker, who is one of the most incompetent people I've ever seen, um, refused to do it. And Rahm Emanuel, then mayor of Chicago at the time, was a blithering idiot. So all of that has to be put into some kind of perspective by President Trump. And he can then persuade people on that issue. COVID, I think, is a loser for him at this point. He should just keep quiet about it and just said, look, I did the best I could. Everybody makes mistakes in a situation like that, but we've got a vaccine coming, and that's it. He's not going to win on COVID, but on law and order, he will. Bill, before we let you go, and everyone should check out Killing Crazy Horse. I'm going to make sure I get a copy of it. We'll get one for producer Mark uh, as well. But, Bill, I, I want to know, what is the biggest, if, if Biden wins, which big if, but it's possible, as we both know, What's your biggest concern about what you think realistically can happen to this country as a result? Uh, I think if uh, Joe Biden wins the presidency, there'll be a severe recession and perhaps a depression. Now, Trump said that last night in his town hall. Uh, I have said it for months. We know the president gets a transcript of what I say on BillOReilly.com every day. Uh, I believe that. Because you raise taxes on corporations, they're going to do exactly what they did under President Obama. They're going to go overseas because there are companies that will give them a much more favorable play. And as everybody knows, you can do business anywhere worldwide now. That's number one. I fear a severe recession. The second thing is Joe Biden is not going to be in control. And we, the American people, are not going to know who is calling those shots. Now, I suspect it'll be members of the Obama administration, like David Axelrod, those kinds of people, but I don't know. And the socialism and the far-left Bernie Sanders bros, they're going to take on a lot of power. And if the Republicans lose the Senate, my God, this country and its traditions are going to be destroyed. That's what you're voting for. Bill O'Reilly, everybody, Killing Crazy Horse, out now. Make sure you get your copy of it and go to BillOReilly.com, download a show, listen to it there. Bill, great to have you on, sir. We'll talk to you soon. I hope so, Buck. Thanks for having me in. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Let's check in on good old Joe Biden for a second here. Blue Collar Joe, we haven't talked about him that much, have we? Not, not enough today, that's for sure. This is the guy, remember, if you are a caring, sensitive, smart, pro-science, pro-women, except for the whole Joe Biden groping the woman to work for him thing and sexually assaulting her, but we don't talk about that anymore. Uh, then you got to vote for this guy because he's such a great leader that even Democrats didn't believe that until five minutes ago. But uh, here he is explaining about being a quartermaster in the lingerie floor of the department place thing. And the what the heck? Play three. Because if you could take care, if you were a quartermaster, you can sure in hell take care of running a, you know, a department store uh, thing. You know, we're in the second floor of the ladies department or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I don't know, gurg- gurgling with Gergen. 
seems to uh, gurgling with Gergen seems to be about to be replaced by gurgling with Biden. Yeah, you know, the thing in the place and just mumbling, babbling nonsense. And they just don't care. They just don't care. It doesn't matter. I, I do think that we're at the point, you know, when Trump said that thing and he was obviously exaggerating, he was saying he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and not lose any supporters. I mean, Joe Biden could walk out on stage at this debate. This is what they're, they've been concerned about this with the independents. Certainly people that are still open to saying maybe Joe Biden's not my guy, but Joe Biden could walk out on stage. And just start muttering about his favorite chipmunk and how he needs his blankie. And and I'm telling you, the Democrats would happily vote for him anyway. So that's the, the only problem with this. You know, I agree with 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 Bill O'Reilly when he says it's a fair, a fair area of attack. Of course, it's just an observation. I mean, that's the real the real truth of it. But it also, in a sense, doesn't matter to the Democrats, which is deeply troubling. They've been so pompous and lecturing us for years now, for years about how Trump is so coarse and he's not an intellectual and, you know, he he does eat his steaks. Well done, which I'm sorry. It's just there are, you know, this is not nom. There are rules. But there's all the oh, he does all these terrible things. And then they put this guy forward, who also is, as we know, losing uh, numbers when it comes to Hispanic voters. He's, He's losing the support of the Hispanic community in some key places, including in Florida. So what does Joe Biden do yesterday? He walks out to a press conference, play 18. I just have one thing to say. Hang on here. <laughs> All right. There you go. Dance a little bit, Joe. Come on. I tell you what, if I had the talent of any one of these people, I'd be I'd be elected president by acclamation. (laughs) I'll tell you what, I'm going to play Despacito on my cell phone to show everybody, you know, I'm just like uh, I'm a cool cat, man. I'm Joe Biden. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Biden. Despacito on his phone. I I really wish he had come out. And and it would have been better if he had just gone with like the Macarena, you know, then it really would feel like he's he doesn't know if he's on a cruise ship somewhere or running for president. It's all the same thing. You remember the Macarena producer, Mark? That was a that was a dark period in America's history where everybody was dancing to the Macarena. You don't like the Macarena? Ah, what's wrong with the Macarena? I don't understand. You hear that song one time and it burrows into the center of your brain like a hot, rusty nail that you can never get out. I do agree with that, yes. Yeah. The dance yeah. is it, fun, And I will though. say, it is better than Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> oh, that was great. That was my childhood. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's like they created a song just to play in arenas for people to be like, Woo, 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 who let the dogs out? Or, yeah, there was a period the, of arena uh, rock. Wait, were they the, the was that the Baja Men? I Am believe I that was it, yeah. The Baja Men, I think, is what they were called. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, Arena Rock is like Stone Temple Pilots, which is great. I don't know if we can call that Arena Rock. What is what is the most, for you, 
the most annoying song of all time? Baby Shark. But that, okay, okay, fair, but that's, I mean, is that really, I mean like an actual song that Oh, it's an actual to. irritating song, yeah, no. Uh, that's, a, that's a fair one. Uh, for me, it's a, it's a toss, it's probably the, the Venga Boys song. Oh, that song is great. You're no fun. <laughs> that song, that song just, it makes me think that I'm like, Stuck in a Chuck E. Cheese that's run out of food and there's just kids running around screaming everywhere and they're like, Buck, you're in charge of everyone. Like, Wasn't oh that the God. song on like the Six Flags commercials back in yes, the day? Yes, yes. That's probably oh. why it's so annoying to you. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, I I gotta say, that's uh that 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 was one of the I, I remember I saw oh gosh, I can't remember. They were like a a, a Latin boy band. In the late 90s, and I saw them at some event that I went to, and I can't even remember. It wasn't the Venga Boys. It was, ah, uh, oh, I, I can't remember what they're called anymore. But, yeah, anyway, look, Despacito is a catchy tune. I'm not going to lie. It's a catchy tune. I just think that uh, Joe Biden, I mean, if he's going to go out and play a song for you on his cell phone like that, it's really only a matter of time before the Biden campaign starts sending you inspiring chain emails that then you have to send to seven people or else you'll have bad luck from their AOL account. Yes, I said it. So that's what's coming up next, it feels like. You know, Biden's actually not a boomer, producer Mark. He is pre-boomer. He's silent generation. Really? He's that old? He's th- he is not a boomer. He is silent generation. Oh, that, is, that means he's younger than a boomer? Uh, older than a boomer. Older, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah, older than a boomer. Yep, yep. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get to roll call, some really important news from Celebrity Land. Uh, You have a number of celebrities now coming out to say that for a full 24 hours, a full 24 hours, they will not use their social media account on Instagram. Yay! You see this, producer Mark? I think, and they're doing this because of hate speech on Facebook. So, in order to protest hate speak on uh, hate speech on Facebook, they will take a full twenty-four hours out of posting on Instagram. Oh my gosh! It takes real courage, Mark. It's not. I'm not one of those guys who uh, follows celebrities on Instagram, so my life won't change much. I don't understand why people do. I really mean this. I see these these like actors with large Twitter followings. They have other people to write their words for them in movies. They're not. They're overwhelmingly not very. I mean, like James Woods is awesome on Twitter. There's some people who are actors who are good at Twitter, but the lib actors out there that you see, they're not good. They're not good at that. They have nothing to say. I, it's it's amazing the the celebrity fascination that people have. On on it's one thing. I mean, Instagram. I understand a little more. Look, you know, if you if you want to follow uh, Jennifer Lawrence on Instagram, I mean, you know, I'm not going to throw stones. I'm not going to throw stones. Or uh, I, I don't even. I can't even. I don't even. Who's like who's the it girl right now in Hollywood? You're asking the Scarlett, wrong person. Scarlett Johansson. I think she's been married four times, but her fourth husband is, in fact, my high school classmate. Fun fact. Look at you. Yeah, we were on the debate team together. I was better, by the way. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just saying 
uh, who else? Who, but who is like the who's the big celebrity lady these days? Who's the number? I don't even know who. I mean, J Lo is like eighty. She looks great. I'm just kidding. I kid. I kid. She's like something. Hey, I'm, I'm just happy the Mets dodged a bullet with her as their owner. Oh, she didn't get the team. No, Steve Cohen did. Great uh, day a couple days ago. Fun guy. Yeah. Ah, SAC. The Mets are now the richest team in baseball. Are they going to get good now? You think? Oh yeah, he's a lifelong Mets fan. And he hates losing, so he's just going to spend all the money he can. It's going to be great. So the Mets will get good now. Yes, exactly. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, okay, this is what happens. By the way, you know the best. I know soccer is not a sport that Americans like, but the best uh, European team, and some of those European teams are worth like a billion dollars because they're a global. You know, Manchester United and these Premier League teams in, in England for soccer are. Um, uh, did you not you know, hear what glo- the Mets just sold for? What they what they sell almost two point five billion. Yeah, that's that's I mean, I would have guessed I would have guessed that that's about, you know, what what the Mets are. Look, it's the biggest market in the United States. Right. I mean, you know, imagine if the Yankees sold. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just wish could it could a billionaire buy the Knicks and make them good? You know, Uh, and tell them no. Tell them no kneeling during the anthem and make them good. That would be nice. I mean, yes, the Dolans are not good owners. They are not good owners. Uh, You know, the but they're like Russian billionaires or Mideast billionaires who will come in and buy a soccer team. And then they'll just, they'll just, they're like, I will pay. They'll pay a player a hundred million dollars. They don't, they'll just pay whatever they have to pay to have a great team. That's what they do. Must be nice that would to be, be a fun. soccer owner. That, I was going to say, it'd be fun to be a billionaire Russian oligarch soccer team. Maybe owner. they can come over and, you know, buy a team in a real sport. There you go. There's a lot, there's a lot, a lot of upside to that. Uh, anyway, so I don't know who the Hollywood it girl is. I don't know. How I even, Oh, but who, who's, uh, who's not, Cara DeLevine? Uh, who's this? Do we know? Who, who's Cara DeLevine? I have no idea. She's one of them. It, I guess, it, look, it doesn't matter. I don't want the, the audience. Everyone's like, Buck, we don't come here. I'm, but I'm just saying, they're protesting hate speech on Facebook, and it's making everyone so proud because for one day... Uh, oh, Kim Kardashian is one of them. That's why this is getting so much attention. Sasha Baron Cohen hasn't done anything funny or worthwhile in 10 years. Um, what else? Who else is on here? There are some others. There are some others. But uh, yeah, Kim Kardashian. I look I, I know I'm not alone here among conservatives. I, I don't understand. I've never understood the Kardashian fascination. I don't get it at all. I don't I do not get it. And I, I've asked women that I've known in life socially to, to explain it to me, and I don't understand. Let's get on to more useful things and more important things like your thoughts in Roll Call. Hit it! Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Roll call, everybody. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton and Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. If you want to email us, that's Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. Very easy. Comes in that way. And also uh, BuckSexton.com. New and improved site coming up this week. More posting, more fun, more good things. So go add it to your your list of favorites. BuckSexton.com. You can also listen to the podcast right there. Just go to BuckSaxon.com and just click on the play button. It'll be so easy. You'll love it. And make sure you pass the buck, too. I, I, we are we're moving up the uh, Apple podcast chart every month because of you. We don't, we, don't have, we don't have some budget for promotion. 
I haven't raised a bunch of money from investors to buy huge Facebook pages and, you know, shovel my content down people's throats digitally. I'm just relying on doing a really good show that you appreciate. And so you pass it to your friends. So it, it, it is the most useful, helpful thing you could possibly do for this show. And we are grateful if you just pass the buck, get one person in your life who, even if they don't listen to podcasts, be like, you got to try this. What, don't listen to NPR on the way home from work? Oh, and today we're going to talk about how to make the most delicious chestnut fricassee salad thing. Whatever. No. I don't even want to. You you can't do that to a salad. You you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. Uh, So there you go. Anyway, Facebook.com slash buck sexton and uh by the way fricassee i don't even know what that was that's why i stopped for a second is a method of cooking meat in which it is cut up and braised and served with its sauce that sounds delicious actually fricassee of chicken is common all kinds of meat and poultry Ooh, i gotta oh man i'm getting hungry i gotta make some fricassee for myself all right producer mark this is from david let me help you understand why the fans booed at the game thursday night There are two very good reasons. The long-established tradition to properly show respect for the flag. Number two, I and most fans watch sports for entertainment. Also, it's a break from the day-to-day reality. I wonder why, or two, why fans would go to the game knowing the players would most likely behave that way. I wouldn't have gone, but perhaps they could voice their objection in a form that wouldn't be heard. My little email to you won't have nearly the reach. Shield's high, my friend. Uh, Mark, do you want to say something? David disagrees with you, but he was respectful. Yes, uh, and listen, we've gotten a lot of messages on this, so I just want to point something out this is the buck sexton show not the producer mark show i'm not here to give <laughs> political opinions i do think people forget that sometimes exactly as much as you're my buddy in my right hand like guys he's he's not he's not here to give politics he's not exactly. politics i'm here to give witty banter make fun of buck and occasionally give the occasional sports opinion and i come at everything from a sports angle i love sports yeah. i always will it's my passion in life and i'm gonna watch no matter what i understand both yeah. sides of the arguments but I respect your right not to watch. Respect my right to watch. That's all I ask. There we go. There we go. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Producer Mark. That's all he asked for. Craig. Hey, Buck, listen to Monday's podcast. I heard Chris from Idaho's email. And I think the elite group of listeners should be shields of the round table. Also, maybe Mark can have a Friday segment that is like Andy Rooney called Grumpy Mark's Penalty Box. He could come on. Comment on societal stupidity or whatever else tickles his fancy shields high. Uh, Grumpy Mark shares his grumpiness without my... We, we don't have to worry. He'll, he'll let us know when things are yeah. making him feel a little grumpy. Buck lets, lets me comment on my grumpiness whenever he feels fit. Yeah, he just lets he, he just let it rip, you know? Like the kids on Sesame Street, they don't ask Oscar the Grouch like... Oh, maybe they do, but, you know, Oscar's there letting it rip no matter what. You know, Did you so. just compare me to Oscar the Grouch? I mean, if the shoe fits. Ivey. Van. Hey, Buck, would you think that the doomsday doctors and journos would want the so-called deplorables to attend as many Trump rallies as possible? That way, the, quote, smelly Walmart people can catch all the COVID and decrease the surplus Trump population. But that's probably one of those things that keeps that uh, things that the Dems don't want to say out loud, however secretly wish would happen. Keeping shields high while you keep us safe and warm at night. Uh, Van, I mean, it's tough to wade deep into the minds of the sick, twisted and evil lib apparatus. I I mean, I I think what you're saying is 
not beyond the possibility of some libs believing it. But I, I don't think that my, my belief is they don't want the rallies to happen uh, because they know that it shows that there's a lot of enthusiasm and, for, and support for Trump out there and there'd be nothing similar for Biden. I don't think they want rallies to happen so people will get uh, more COVID, although they will, whenever there are rallies, look for and even if necessary, manufacture evidence to suggest that there are more COVID cases because of the Trump rallies. So there there you have it. Uh, Let's see here. Christine. Hey, Buck, California fan. We're working hard here to recall Newsom and Garcetti. Seems like you guys in New York should try to recall Cuomo and de Blasio. Does New York law not allow recalls? Just curious because we're in the same boat on opposite coast. Shields high, Christine. Christine, that's, you know, that's a good question. I'll admit to you because I don't know everything. Um, I, which is obvious. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if New York law allows for a recall. I just know that I don't spend time thinking about it because understand this Cuomo's numbers in New, in New York state as a result of COVID are like sky high. His approval ratings increased. It's it's like they're living an opposite reality or opposite day or something where people should be saying, get this bum out. They're actually saying, oh, Cuomo did a good job. Oh, my gosh. It's 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 amazing. It's amazing. I don't know what you know, they all he's all he has to do is do the press conference. He gives the press conference and he kind of does this little thing where he says, OK, it is Monday, which is the day before Tuesday and after Sunday. And we are on planet Earth. It is 72 degrees. We are at north northwest latitude of the thing and here i am telling you about covid what do i mean what do i mean by covid covid you get the idea you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast all righty the roll calleth continueth with your thoughts eth facebook.com slash buck sexton team buck at iheartmedia.com Mike writes, FYI, Tim Tebow was sort of good in college, at least good enough to win the Heisman Trophy in 2007. Your sidekick knows little about what constitutes a successful athlete. All right. Hey, everybody. All right, everybody. All right. Producer Marcus is a good is the good guy is a good guy. All right. He's not my sidekick. He is the producer. He is the producer, not a sidekick. So as we've already discussed. Mark, anything else you want to say? Uh, yeah, I one one. I specifically said Tim Tebow was a great college quarterback, and two, in sixteen career starts in the NFL, he threw seventeen touchdowns. That's all I need to say. In six, I'm sorry, that was sixteen career starts. He threw seventeen touchdowns. Yes, and he completed less than fifty percent of his passes. Last I checked, that's not good. There you go. Adam, Buck, and producer Mark, I'm a tennis coach. Oh, we got a tennis. I, I love tennis, Adam. Uh, due to COVID, we no longer transport all players together to matches. My 13-year-old son plays for me, and so we ride to matches together. We listen to podcasts driving to and from matches, trying to make him what I'm calling a young buck. Well, we love that. We call them young bucks. As the old saying goes, together we're training up the next generation of conservatives 
Although he says what he really enjoys listening to me yell at, uh, what he really enjoys is listening to me yell at the libs. Keep up the good work, Shields High. Yeah, man, you got to yell at those libs. Got to show the kids how it's done. It's important. Uh, and that's great, tennis player. I wish I had learned a one-handed backhand. Instead, I got a two-hander, and I've always wished I had a one-hander, and I feel like now it's too late to switch. I don't know how many tennis players are listening to this show, but it's, it's a great game. You can play it to your old. You know, I, I played basketball and, and soccer. Those are my team. I know soccer like I'm barely American, but those are my team sports. Um, Mike, I was, good at, I was good at baseball and softball, really good at hitting, okay at fielding, throwing. I always would. I could throw it far, just not accurately. So I was always what like. What position did you play? I mean, this was, you know, high school junior no junior high really uh i i usually i usually tried to play third base i think was what i usually played well the hot corner that's like the hardest position well you know i could catch i just wasn't that great at throwing um what else we got here yeah i mean they didn't put me in right field i can tell you that because with most people being righties you get put in right field and it's like you know, you're the kid that's well, playing with the butterflies and the daisies and, you know, like no one expects If you're it. playing a fun slow pitch softball game, yes, that's true. But in an actual baseball game, that's not true. No, you know, I'm talking about slow pitch softball. Yeah, yeah. Right, the right fielder is always the worst player in a slow pitch softball game. But so in real baseball, the right fielder's legit. Yeah, you usually want the strongest arm out in right field. Yeah. I didn't. I was unaware of that. Interesting. Um, Mike. Hey, Buck. Uh, I figured either bar or Durham investigation is being stonewalled until after November, or more likely, they and their staff just don't have the life insurance to go up against the levels of globalist and swamp mafia they face. I will be presently surprised, but perhaps all we ever will see uh, verify will have been carefully leaked at a future time when it doesn't matter and no one cares. Seriously, Jesus will end up sorting this out. Shields high against the godless nonetheless. Mike, I... Uh, <laughs> Pretty intense, but I think you're correct in terms of we're not going to get anything out of this Durham probe. Dan writes, it's getting hairy out there, and I live in a high-risk zone downtown D.C. near the Georgetown waterfront. Well, Dan, I live, I live in that area, too. It's a great area. As a fellow urban dweller, what are you doing to prepare for the next round of rioting, excuse me, protesting after the election? Uh, a few people asked in the city near your area are remarkably unconcerned or a few people I asked are unconcerned, but right now it seems like the calm before the storm to me. It feels like we're sitting in a tinderbox and the match is about to light. What say you, Dan, first of all, uh, go have a burger for me at Billy Martin's tavern. And second of all, uh, if Trump wins, they're going to freak out, loot, riot and destroy even fancy neighborhoods in cities across the country. I don't know how many or how bad it will be, but it's going to happen. So, you know, my friend, keep your shield high. That's it, team. Pass the buck, as I said. We'll be back tomorrow. Shield's high.